Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your source for outdoor gear in interior Alaska. It's a locally owned, longtime Fairbanks business that I've shopped at since I was a kid, and they've always done a great job of carrying a wide variety of quality, proven gear that'll tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to. Frontier Outfitters always stays current with gear for the season, and whether you're bear baiting in the spring, fishing or dip netting in the summer, looking for game bags and gears for moose camp in the fall, or need to stock up on trapping lures, get a new spud bar, or just need some bait for your winter burbot sets, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, lots of guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as gun safes. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find your snow machine and ATV accessories like sleds and hitch pins, gun boots, hot grips, as well as a full selection of marine and boating parts and accessories. They really go out of their way to stock quality, useful equipment, and it's truly one of those great hometown sporting goods and hardware stores that every town needs to have. Whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on that never-ending home improvement project, or you just need to rehandle an axe, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location out in North Pole, so make sure you stop in there and tell them you heard about it on Tundra Talk. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Real Estate, a local brokerage that can cover your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area, whether it's residential, commercial, or just undeveloped property. The Hedgecocks have been active in the Fairbanks and North Pole real estate market since the early 80s and have put together a team that really reflects the diverse needs of homebuyers in interior Alaska. With a brokerage team made up of multi-generation Fairbanks locals, transplants, and military veterans, they really understand the unique aspects of living in the interior and what that means when it comes to shopping for a home in general, buying land to build a home, and they also understand the situations that many military members are in when needing to buy or sell a home in Fairbanks. This is really a unique place to live, and whether it's learning why some houses have water-holding tanks instead of wells, how much it'll cost to heat a given house, or just what recreational opportunities are close by, they're here to help you. More than simply acquiring or building a piece of property, they can help you find the right property in the right place and help you learn from their experience. The Hedgecock Group offices are on Noble Street in Fairbanks, and if you want to get in touch with them, visit www.fairbanksakhomes.com. That's how you do it. All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, sitting down today with with Matt Herkstroder. I feel like there's a few things I gotta gotta get off my chest or what announce or something. I guess the I forgot. I'm a this podcast <laughs> is not starting out in a great way, but um, I know the one thing before we before we get rolling. This is going to sound a little weird to all our listeners, but um, if you have a good shit your pants story, we want to hear it. Do you, Matt? I uh, know I'm not like asking you to tell it right now, but it happens. It I'd, happens I'd, to, to. I'd have to think about that every, one. Everybody poops, so. Um, no, we're just getting, looking to, <laughs> I've heard of a few stories. <laughs> if, if you haven't shut it off already as, <laughs> as fucked up as that sounds, we are looking for, for good shit your pants stories to, uh, read on the podcast. We got a couple me, a couple potentials that have, uh, 
you know, if we can, we can learn from our experience and, and have a good laugh at that. So if you have one, you feel like anonymously or not anonymously sending in, um, that would be awesome. But, uh, I can't quit looking at that stupid flat brim hat you got there, Matt. It's my tribute. <laughs> Fock it. F-O-C it. <laughs> you never good. seen me wear a flat brim, have no, you? No, I never have. Well, when no. you walked in the door, I, lo- I looked at you and I looked down and I had to do a double take. I'm just making fun. I would normally not wear this. <clears throat> no, it's pretty good. I noticed that the brim is even wider than like the, the front section of the hat. It is. I even left yeah. a sticker on it. Isn't this yeah, the cool this, thing too? I guess so. You got to leave the sticker on the that's, snapback sticker. That's the wo- the woke thing to do, or <laughs> is that the proper terminology? I'm not sure. I'm not up to date on all that I don't stuff. That's been it's actually been a long time since I've seen you. Probably since before sheep season. I was actually there, like after moose season. I don't know if I called you or texted you or whatever. For some reason, I was getting to. You ever get to where you're like, man, I wonder if this dude's mad at me. I haven't heard. From, <laughs> did I do something to piss him off? When, no, I. I really, we're just busy. Yeah, we were all pretty busy this fall and. I don't know. I haven't been over though in a while. Yeah, no kidding. But uh well yeah, in other news, you know, it's November, we got sixteen inches of snow. I can't remember the last time we got snow except for last November in yeah. Alaska. It's like a big shocker every I'm, time, I guess. I'm glad we got some snow. I, oh, it's nice. I don't like plowing it, but it's it's nice to have some snow on the ground. Yeah. Because normally we don't have this much snow this time of year. Yeah. No, it does. I don't know what if it actually broke any records, but it was like, it's a good, a good chunk, nice first chunk of snow for November. Yeah. No, it'll be, I think you'll be good. This fall setting itself up to be pretty good, I think. Well, early winter, if you want to call it that, you know, freeze up and. Yeah. No, well, that's, it seems like years of late. Um, it's you know stuff hasn't rivers haven't been icing over quite as good and we got i think i think it it might be okay this year you know a little bit more of a normal well kind of normal a well year, the rivers like, a year that people would refer to as a normal year you know because we got we already got stretch it was like 37 below at the bottom of the hill the other day well and also this fall the rivers weren't high you know yeah. a lot of times these rivers that are i say a lot of times in the years past they've been high water and then it starts to freeze up, and we get a lot of shelf ice and yeah. stuff like that. Guess this year it was kind of normal, you know, kind of normal lower water levels, and then it froze up. I think we're going to have a good freeze up, which is, yeah. well, well it it's already froze up. But It didn't seem like we had uh, much of a fluctuation, you know, where it's like, you know, sometimes in October you'll, or even in September you'll get a few little snows, and then it warms back up. It was like once she, once she flipped the switch, it was winter time yeah, and hopefully it stays that way I yeah because in years past too though in november we've gotten some chinooks and yeah rain. and rain and i don't want any of that especially no. with the snow we have on the ground now it's yeah. like i said i think it's setting up to be a good winter but i hate that rain and you oh yeah the southern just, stuff where you can where you get this rain and warm yeah they can have it i don't really care for that yeah no but got the kids the kids' sled trails packed around the property here, and my son's finally. Last year, he was a little he was a little scared of that of that little one twenty, like mm-hmm. just wasn't quite ready for it. Now he's buzzing all over the place with it. So, yeah, before long he'll have a jump set up out there. And- oh, he was talking about it the first day, <laughs> first time. I he's not brave enough to do it, but he's he's thought of it. I guess when I was the first time it snowed enough 
to plow. I was plowing up a berm kind of over on this side and right where the track goes through. And he told my wife, said, man, that'd make a great jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's funny to watch them. They get, uh, it takes them a little while. And once they get really comfortable with it, they, they kind of go all in. Yeah. Dylan was really timid for a long time. Yeah. For a long time on his snow machine. But past few years, he's been pretty much just, you know, pretty easy going with it. Now he's not... Uh, now it's g- goodbye yeah, cowling. Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, none of that's happened yet. But, you know, he's 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 not scared of the throttle anymore. Yeah. Like he used to be, you know. It, just, yeah. it would take us forever to go anywhere. He'd just be putzing along, and I'm like... You can speed up. We're not on a rough trail. We're on a packed road, practically. Yeah. He'd be like, okay, that would last about three minutes, and then he'd be back to hardly any throttle, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, for it, yeah, my son, for a four-year-old, he has pretty good throttle control. Like, he definitely is not, he could push that machine quite a bit faster (laughs) than he does. I think it uh, does have a governor on it, but... uh, yeah, got to get him comfortable going through the, the trails through the woods is the next thing. I've, now that we've got, after this, we've got enough snow to really, like, smooth them out. They're not bumpy or... Yeah. Um, and then it'll be, once he gets once he gets real, uh, real comfortable, he'll be running into trees and breaking up, breaking stuff. But yep. Not a good time of year. I already got, bought a, bought a supersize ice shanty for dragging the kids out for hopefully day all day all day trips and yeah that's a nice nice eyesight for sure yeah you gotta if i was gonna buy one i i gotta think about all these things like all right where can i put holes the kids aren't gonna be tripping over them and knocking stuff into and well it's a good thing though that you have that room that you can take everybody yeah and like you said they can have part of it is just a play goof off area and yep and you got holes drilled on the other side where they're not going to be falling in them. Yeah, they can go in and out and go play in the snow. And yep. you know he can ride it. He can ride his sled around. Circ. We can pack down a little circle track for him and come back in to warm up. So now looking looking forward to it since trap. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to trap at all this year. Yeah, I'm not either. It's uh. Well, I didn't really do anything last year. I went out on the line with my buddy a couple times, but other than that. Yeah, to really do it right, it's so much work, and just the way the market's going to be yeah. this year, it's not going to be worth it for for me anyway. With all the all the stuff I have going, no, I'm I'm a has been. I'm I, a what? Did my dad, my son told me one time that I was washed up. I guess it's yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. No, it's I don't know. Trapping's a fun thing, and I really like doing it, but it just doesn't pay right now for me and. I've got other interests and other things going on. And well, you're gonna talking about building that that new flintlock potentially, huh? Yeah, that'll be this winter's project. Um, yeah, I'm going to build a flintlock with my dad, and um, we're supposed to sit down and kind of go over parts and see what we need to get. And but I'm using him as my my guide because yeah. any you know any muzzleloaders I've built in the past have been kind of just a kit type thing and. You know, he's in the building more from pretty close to from scratch as you can get for the most part. And uh, that's kind of the route I'm going to go. So it'll probably take me all winter to do it. Yeah. 
Um, but I, Doing and some I want ca- like casting some of the brass and stuff like that. He doesn't think? quite a lot of the brass stuff he'll buy. It's it's already cast, but it's just rough, rough yeah. cast and. You know, it'll be time period specific, mm-hmm. you know, which I don't even know what I'm going to do yet. I'm going to, we're going to sit down and go it's over some stuff. 49, 50, 51, yeah, 50. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it probably won't be quite like that, but, you know, there was a lot of different gun makers in the past. Yeah. From certain areas, you know, from whether it was Pennsylvania or, you know, different places. Well, even just Pennsylvania, you know, they had like Lancaster and they had a bunch of different gun makers in these areas mm-hmm. and they were well known for specific rifles. No, that's cool. So I'll probably base it off of something like that, but I just don't know what yet. Yeah. I'm pretty much relying on my dad for that because I don't know. I'm going to just, we're going to go like, over that stuff. Looks and, cool and Yeah. Something that I like. And I, I, you know, I'd like to go with some fairly fancy wood on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, too, it'll depend a little bit on cost, but... Get some of that illegal rainforest wood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was period specific, nah. period uh, accurate, but... Um, no, but that'll be a fun thing to do, and something me and him will do together, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's he likes doing that type of thing, so it's yeah, right up his that's alley. that's a good, good winter project, too. Yeah. But other than projects, that's probably all I'm really taking on as far as... Besides my normal, my ice fishing and photography and all that, so. Yep. Letting Mr. Mookie take the lead and, you know, his passion guides us all, ice yeah, fishing. I was, texting, I was texting him today and and uh, he's he's. Chomping. I think he already tried to go lake trout fishing, didn't he? He's chomping at the bit for sure, and so, which is cool. I told yeah. him I got, I told him today I was going through some of my stuff, getting my jigs ready, and I told him. I ended up getting uh, 75 pounds of herring from a buddy of mine. Oh, nice. And I'll have to. So I was like, I, I got piles of bait this year. I'll have year. to shyster some <laughs> off of you. <laughs> he, he goes, he's like, holy cow, where'd you get all that from? And I was like, ah, buddy of mine fishing down south. And it's all fresh. And I ended up getting some from him. So Oh, nice. It's, uh, I'll be good to go on herring. And way cheaper than buying that crap at the store. Yeah, last time I... I finally last spring ran out of my my wholesale bag or whatever that b- big bag I bought two years before or whatever the stuff was getting pretty yeah pretty old. That's the only problem with this much. It's going to be hard to go through it all. Probably like you said, everybody will have <laughs> have herring. You know, it won't be a shortage of herring. No, and but well, it'll last a couple of years. It'll be okay yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's like usually I get whistle bit and I got to go to the store and I got to try to find herring. Yeah. If they have it or you're limited to the size. Yeah. You know, this is some good size herring. Like, oh, nice. It's not just the gigantic ones or it is. It's, uh, I'd say they're probably 12 inches oh, that's or big, yeah, bigger, a little bit bigger, 12 to 13 nice, inch that's somewhere. bigger than what you get in the store. Yeah. But it's big enough that you can chunk it up if you have to. Yeah. I mean, good for burbot and stuff like that too. But. I would like to do more burbot sets this year. We'll see if that. It's just hard for me because I don't live close to the river. So yeah, it's, you got to check them every day. Yeah, it's kind of one of those deals where I would love to do it, but to be able to check them. It'd every be one day. thing if you could just hop on your sled and run down the trail. And, yeah, and do it. But yeah, I'd have to load up and, or take my sled to work every day, and after work go check it, and then you're doing it always in the dark. And I don't know. I mean, it'd be all right for maybe a few runs, but 
to do it all winter like that. Forget that. Yeah. <laughs> Too much work. It's more be more work than trapping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, well what the heck? Uh I know you told me some about your fall. How'd your your fall go? It went pretty well. You I got mean, one or two caribou? Two caribou. Me and Nick shot uh caribou on one trip and then I went back, took my son and mm-hmm. and ended up shooting another one. Um yeah, meat bulls, but they were it was still fun hunting. Um yeah, me and Nick had we had a pretty good time. I mean it was a it was a pretty quick run, but we both ended up killing bulls and Yeah. Um Yeah, the second trip I tried to get my son to shoot. He would didn't even want to take his bow, so Huh. So pretty much so I just hunted, he just tagged along. His temperature checked or something. Well, teenagers. <laughs> I don't know if it's girls or what, but I don't know how girls do that to a guy. I don't know. He did go with you, right? He did. He went along. Yeah. And he went moose hunting. I mean, we spent two and a half weeks moose hunting. And he wasn't very, uh, the first, I'd say, five days, he was not very thrilled to be there. Yeah. <laughs> but after that, he he uh, he embraced it at that point. He was That's like, good. Dad ain't going home no matter how much I cry. <laughs> <Yeah>. So. <laughs> Yeah, no cell service there either. <laughs> no. But, I mean, like I said, we actually, we got into some moose, and we, we had wolf problems, and they ended up, I don't whether they ran the moose out or if the moose just got quiet, I don't know, but ended up not killing a, a moose. And, like I said, it started out pretty good. Yeah, cause but, some of the, like, pictures and videos you're showing me, like, there's some good bulls. It sounds like you had that one you were what 60 yards from yeah. or something like that yeah just i couldn't get a shot yeah no shot 60 yards i was like i could range his antlers and head was it and ah. by the time i got him in the open again he was about 80 something and he was in the open and i just i didn't want to take the shot i mean you know hindsight's always twenty twenty, but pretty big area for a you know to hit with a moose but yeah. i just i mean that caribou i shot with nick i shot it pretty far mm-hmm. and you know, smaller kill zone. I just, I don't know. It Something told me not to take that shot at the moose, so I didn't. Yeah. No, but, it's best to sometimes just listen to your gut. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, so, with, whatever, no regrets. I just, like I said, it was, it was a good time, but, you know, we had a lot of kind of crap weather, too. A lot of rain, a lot of wind. Really, out of the two and a half weeks, we were only... I think there was maybe a couple days of actual decent, what I would call decent weather, and it only got cold twice on us, so yeah. it was fairly warm too. So yeah, it it was, and it was it was definitely warmer than I would have liked when we were out. But that when it's windy and you can't hear, that's freaking just yeah, it's really hard then. Well, and especially like where you guys were and where we were, we're pretty much in flats where you can't. You're relying on hearing. Yeah. You can't see anything. Yep. Unless it's right in front of you. So, And you where know, we were, like, <clears throat> even if you did see stuff, it wouldn't do you any good because you can't, can't get, get to over it. there, you mm-hmm. know. Or you'd be seriously regretting it if you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I Like I said, it, it was still a good time, but, you know, I still ended up with moose meat. I got a bunch yeah. of meat from Jonah, and, you know, that worked out. And, um, yeah, so... Is what it is. I'm ready for 
already dreaming about bear baiting too, I guess. That, <laughs> yeah. But even that though, I'm kind of like, I'm almost, not that I'm sick of shooting bears, but I'm dealing with dang things. That flat brim's just getting right to your <laughs> head. Something. No, I'm going to wear this all the time now. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime we're, we get together, I'm going to wear this, bust out this hat. Yeah, you'll, I don't know what, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> But yeah, no, I I totally get that. Dealing with bears can be can be a pain in the, pain in the ass. I mean, but it's I, I still I still got it. We still got to make a whole run of sausage. So I do just, I. I've been like thinking. I was thinking October was going to be my like nice catch up sausage month and get all the because I still got some some moose meat that I'm going to turn into do brats and stuff like that. And then all this, I was just going to do smoked sausage with all this bear meat I got chunked up in the freezer and i'm i am going to but uh i thought i was gonna have all that done and psh, yeah right yeah no i'm i'm kind of in the same boat no bear sausage done um moose caribou all that anything that i was gonna grind and make into sausage snack sticks bologna anything summer sausage nick's got me on the summer sausage kick i'm gonna do a bunch of that this year and yeah i did one batch um this summer and it, it, I might have mixed the well because I, I'm not gonna go buy pork butt to like actually like mix mix pork meat and stuff in there. So I I mixed it and I cut it a little. I think I cut it a little heavy with pork fat because I still had a bunch left over and uh, it just like it maybe maybe like at least it appeared to be oversaturated with fat. And when I smoked, it was like all the fat like a certain amount oh. of fat liquefied, and so they're just like really greasy. Um, the actual sausage is fine, but the casing, you know, when I cut them up and the case, you know, yeah. I think there's a lot of like tricks to the trade, yeah. to, you know, that I need to get ironed out to have a better end product, but well, yeah, I know, it, t- it tastes fine. I know. And I don't know what you were using before, but I mean, Nick had told me he was using this stuff from the sausage maker and that's probably what I'm going to do. Cause whatever he made or had, yeah. to me, I couldn't get enough of it. It was so freaking good i was you know it was really and i think the stuff he had might have been i'm trying to remember if that was caribou caribou or moose that he had maybe it was moose summer sausage yeah but i was gonna probably just order the same seasoning or whatever mm-hmm. it was that he used and and do that um but i still gotta do it it's Probably here in the next few weekends, I'll probably do it before. Yeah, it's funny. You notice I still got my my grinder, and I got I ordered a, a meat mixer, but grinder and stuffer and all that stuff, and all my like my packaging stuff still sitting on my table out there. I'm not going to put it away till it's done. Every time I walk in here, it reminds me I need to keep I need to get it done. Was it you or I don't remember who I was talking to? We were talking about them mixers. Um, a buddy of mine turned me on to a. Uh, he said just to use a uh, five-gallon bucket with, like, a paint mixer on a, like, a Magnum drill. Have you ever done that before? I haven't, but it, my, of course, my paint mixers are a bent-up piece of number nine wire jammed in my DeWalt. Yeah, well, I think you'd have to probably <laughs> buy something a little more heavy-duty to, to mix the meat for sausage, mm-hmm. but... Um, I, I'm going to try that this year cause you know, I've always struggled with that. We've yeah. hand done it and everything. And it's the thing is that the way I look at it, it's cheap. You're talking a clean five gallon bucket and a, what a $10 paint mixer yeah, or whatever so 15 it is. Bucks, yeah. 
versus three or four hundred dollars for a oh i didn't pay that i got one of those lem like 20 pounders which the snap like the the smoked sticks that batches because i don't do recipes i do kits <laughs> yeah those like i think they're high the high mountain snacks oh yeah kits or whatever yeah. um that's what i did last year and it turned out really good they're like 20 pound batches and that's what that mixer is so i figure i can do a batch at a time rather and i it was working fine before but i would like mix it by hand and then run it through the grinder like to mix it again yeah. it's just a saves having to jam that shit through a grinder again again yeah no and that's the problem i've always had too it's trying to get it mixed evenly but i don't know i'm gonna try the just the drill thing just because i'm for one i don't want to store another thing for mixing meat that's going to take up a lot of room Mm -hmm. time you got grinders and dehydrators and all this stuff um takes up a lot of room yeah, it sure does. I'm just I'm gonna end up jamming everything probably in the crawl space or something. But well, the wife's got projects for me this winter. To she wants some stuff made for the kitchen. We're oh. gonna do a island in the kitchen, and then along the one wall, she's got a idea where she wants kind of a not really more of an open face cabinet. I guess it would be where there's You'd no be like I'm an electrician, not a carpenter. <laughs> well, I mean, I enjoy doing woodwork yeah. stuff, but it's you know that's we're talking about projects that that's going to be kind of a smaller project for me, I guess to do, but, um, yeah, I've got a couple projects for, that's what she wants that she wants to be yeah. able to put that stuff like the meat grinder and all that. Mm, yeah. There. So it's not, you know, we're not having to lug it up and down from downstairs and, you know, just kind of have it available when we want it. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. So. But yeah, freaking, uh, winter time, what we were talking about, bunny boots earlier yeah all right yeah oh because it was uh it was that late season like winter some of these winter hunts you know people don't sometimes understand what they if you're new up here you're going to be coming up here in the winter just get yourself a hundred dollar pair of bunny boots yeah if you're going to be out doing stuff i just my thought on bunny boots is they're the best boot you can get for up here i mean and that's going to cover all your situations. Are some of these boots going to work? I think fine. Yeah. If your feet are dry or you're going to be able to stay dry, yeah, they're probably going to work fine. But, you know, everybody's different too. Some people's feet sweat, you know, mm-hmm. some don't. There's no way. My feet really don't sweat that bad, but I remember wearing Sorrells and I can't stand them. And, uh, you know, bunny boots people say they're heavy and clunky and I'm, I'm thinking they're no clunkier than anything else that's out there, you know, as far as boots go mm-hmm. and they're effective. So, I mean, Oh yeah. Well, they're, you know, they're, you're just like, you're, I, you're almost never going to get frostbite in them if you've got, if, like, no. if they're working properly and, and that air chamber or whatever isn't compromised. Yeah. Even then, I mean, I've seen some pretty ratty ass pairs of bunny oh, boots. Oh, for that, sure keep your feet warm too but i mean the biggest thing for if you're out doing actually doing stuff you can you you can be 40 below and you fill things with water if you just yank them off your feet and dump them out put them back on you're you may not be super comfortable your feet are going to be wet but they're not going to freeze yeah and i i don't know this they're simple as well i mean like with sorrels or that type of a boot with a felt liner or something like that yeah you know you still need to pull that liner out and dry it Mm mm-hmm 
because if you don't, the next day you go to use it, it's going to have some dampness or moisture yeah. in it. With with a bunny boot, really, you don't have to do that. No. I mean, I, I've i went both on my bunny boots. I, sometimes I'll put a felt insole, just insole on the bottom. Yeah. But the pair I have right now, I'm not even using that. It just, whatever, however they come. And yeah. Which insoles, it was funny because me, I don't know if we talked about it on art when we were talking moose hunting, but it was actually Frank's idea. And then I did it too, put insoles from like boots like this or shoes in our hip boots. Oh, when we sure. were moose hunting for walking because, you know, it made a huge difference. It's like, you know, those hip boots are so loose and clunky it actually makes them fit okay and they're warmer yeah no um, and i i would so say i hadn't thought of doing that with bunny boots but that could make a, a it, difference too it would and, you know and what i've did i've never used like an actual like uh you know whatever a super feed or a you know what are some of the brands out there that are making them but anyway you know the ones i get i just go to bigger a's and they get to, it's just a felt insole oh, for the yeah. size you know i mean mm-hmm. i wear a size 10 and i just put them in there <clears throat> and it's just a little extra, almost like an insulating layer just from your feet to the rubber mm-hmm. part of the bunny boot. I don't think it's needed. I've used it both ways, so I don't um, – it's not a necessity. But I will say, this is something me and Nick were talking about when we were caribou hunting, insoles and boots. Yeah. Because uh, I'm going I'm, to – I'm doing some ex- – I want to do some experimenting or – not maybe not experimenting, but I'm going to try some different insoles um, from what I've been using. Because mm-hmm. I – you know, two years ago, I got those other Scarpa boots. Yeah. And I've always wore Scarpa boots. They seemed – I like them. They seem to be what my feet like. But they didn't make the same uh, model that I used to have. I see. And so these new ones I've got, I have, you know, I didn't sheep hunt this year, so I really didn't get to put a lot of miles on them. But the year before I did, and I kind of chalked it up to just, I hadn't wore the boots that much, mm-hmm. enough. But I wore, I did wear them some this year. I did bring them moose hunting and stuff like that. And and the insoles that are in them, something just doesn't, still doesn't fit right. Yeah. So I had been talking to Nick about it, and I'm I'm gonna try some other insoles, and I've got to narrow down to either some of those sheep feet or like the Lathrop and Sons, Lathrop ones. and Sons, and I did contact them, <clears throat> and it took them a while to get back with me, but they they did get back with me, and then I was out of town working, and I never got back in touch with them. Yeah, but uh, I was gonna try some of those just see and pick their brains before mm-hmm. I ordered some. Yeah, to see if you know. Because I've never had heel rub before, mm-hmm. but I've been, that's what I've been having with these boots. And it's almost like, <clears throat> because the fit is not the same. Yeah. It almost likes their, their knee, their, whether it's in the heel or what it is, needs to lock into my, the heel or the heel of the boot needs to lock into my heel yeah. better. So I don't know if that's something it's interesting. They, Cause do, don't those, is the Grand Drew, cause I have a set of those Grand Drews, don't they, um, they have a pretty significant, like compared to some other boots I've worn, is that them that have a pretty significant, like is it foam or whatever in the back where you, you pop your foot in there and you feel it like really cradle your ankle, you like around your Achilles. Well, that's how my old boots were. Yeah. But these new ones that I have, they don't quite feel that way for some reason. So it doesn't huh. lock in. Oh, I see. Yeah, feels, yeah, yeah. It feels like I have movement there. Because maybe, because for me, that's what it feels like in that set of boots. Um, 
where some of the other boots don't really have that have that that pre- it, it's not a bad pressure but that like locking in feeling yeah. right there and see that's what i'm i don't know what what's different between these and the ones i had before i mean they are a different model of a boot but they're they just don't the fit is not quite the same mm-hmm. and i did have to shim these i put a shim in these boots too because i noticed right away when i got them they were get you some lifts some well no and that's no <laughs> and really though that's what's happened i've i've actually added so i've got a shim a full shim and then a half a shim in the back of these okay to raise the get heel. Your heel up to where it locks it in and it's not yeah, rattling and it's around. still not enough huh and i'm 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 kind of like okay is that uh you know is that a something that can be fixed with an insole yeah or a custom insole no those are sound like really good <laughs> questions to ask them before you yeah, and, like, I, and some I of these, would. Some of these super custom insoles aren't. They're they're, they're, to, they're totally worth it if they if they fix your problems. But well, you're talking the cost of a boot. Yeah, of a pair of boots just for the insoles. Yeah. Now Lathrop and Sons and, and Nick said he's ran Lathrop and Sons just the regular insoles, not the like custom orthotics or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And he's he's liked them, but you know you know like me. What is that? Some kind of liberal thing they got on the. Back, back of that can beer now. can, I'll cover it up with my badass Tundra Talk koozie. Don't get me going about the liberal stuff yeah. right now. That's a sore subject. We've <laughs> yeah. already ranted enough about that. Yep. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, that's something I'm gonna. I want to do though too. Is uh, I need to get into contact with those guys again and just kind of pick their brain. I really don't want to spend like three or four hundred dollars on insoles. If it can be avoided, if I can yeah. be if it can be avoided, but you know I'm going to kind of base it off of their expertise and yeah. Well, I wonder what kind of lifespan you know like average like for guy that it does a lot of rugged hunting. You know if they would if they like outlast a set of boots, and of course that depends on the guy too, because like Frank don't weigh nothing, and I, yeah, I got about, I got about well not quite a hundred pounds on him, but. I, I tear up boots so fast. And, See, I, uh, I'm pretty, I don't want to say easy on boots, but I can make boots last. Mm-hmm. Now, I know with the sheep feet, they're kind of a rebuildable. If you buy their full-blown deal, it's like a rebuildable type insole. Interesting. And the, in, the, the stuff that I at least researched on them was, now, I never contacted them or talked to them. I just did some research and looked on their website and stuff like that. Um. It, it looked like, you know, like average type usage to probably what we would use them for. You could probably get a couple seasons out of them. Yeah. Before you need to, like, rebuild them. Yeah. Which, you know, and I don't know what it costs to rebuild them if, uh, you know, if it's going to be 100 bucks. Sounds or, like we're getting more questions than answers. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean. I, That's all definitely stuff to consider, though. No, I I just I'm kind of I'm very picky about my footwear anyway. Yeah, and that's something with these boots. It's not really. I haven't been able to get the this newer set of boots that I've had for the past two years dialed in like my old boots were. Gotcha. And I didn't have to do a lot with my old boots. Yeah, that seems like the classic boot. You know, regardless of manufacturers, if you find a particular, it's like year model of boot that you like buys yeah, buy a couple pair at least yeah. yeah and that was something i didn't do you know all right i gotta take this stupid yeah. flat brim off i got yeah it's a little easier to 
it's a little easier to look you in the eye without that flat brim on. <laughs> I don't know how the heck anybody wears one of those pushes on your forehead all day long. It's like wearing worse than a hard hat, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I don't wear one of those either anymore, so it's nice. Oh man. But anyway, yeah. So custom insoles. I'm gonna do some research on those and try to figure that out for next year. Yeah, it's a good time to good time to do that. Definitely let me know what you what you think. I mean I I don't have any huge complaints so far, but I definitely could make some adjustments. I mean for me now even just throwing the super feet in most boots makes a diff- makes a pretty good difference for me. And that's what I've used before. And that's what I have in there now. But yeah. I had the shim them as well. Yep. And I am using them like in my ski boots. Mm-hmm. I'm using super feet, the exact same ones that I have in my sheep hunting boots and those seem to work well in my ski boots so ski boots man you're like the most interesting man (laughs) (laughs) well i'm not i'm not down down downhill right or cross country well it's kind of telemark more telemark yeah it's kind of like uh old school downhill i guess but i'm not very proficient at it is that like a hipster thing no (laughs) It's just a means for me to get outside, get outside, and you know. Well, just start where as long as you don't show up in some of them goofy those fruitcake felt winter boots. Like we're when we were talking about bunny boots (laughs) earlier, I had to like whatever freaking fruitcake decided to make these like felt boot. You'll see them around town, and like. Certain type of people that you typically will see wearing those boots around town do not vote the the way you and I typically no. do. But um I mean they're probably they're obviously like gotta be warm when you're not getting them wet or yeah I'm sure they're fine and stuff, you know. They're wearing them around town because they're like they're like a felt gray felt muckluck with blue yeah. soles, right? Yeah. That's that's the ones and they're super slick too. Oh, I've never put a the, pair the, on. The bottom if you look at the bottoms of them, yeah. They look to me like they'd be slicker and freaking snot on the snow. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't not know something either. I would wear. I don't. I just like I said. Well, it's just yeah, it's just interesting to me. I mean, one well, and it makes. I guess like a lot of times in just bitterly cold weather, you don't have to deal with the moisture issues that you do a lot of times in weather with like this, where it's like in the twenties and yeah thirties because everything's so dry, it doesn't ever like soak into them. But I'm just like, man, if you. You know, I would never actually go out and do stuff in them. No. Because you get them wet, you're hosed. Yep. Well, and you know as good as I do, I mean, even in the dead of winter, there's a potential for overflow or anything where you could get your feet wet. Oh, yeah. And I would rather just not take the chance. Yeah. I'd rather just I mean, by all boots. means, if any if anybody out there is offended and, and has like has has to tell us the, the sing the praises of these boots i would love to hear it because i i would too because i just, I just shake just, my head every time i see them they're pot they're popular they are in town well too. it's like anything it's the hipster thing or whatever's cool and what looks cool and what's organic doesn't necessarily maybe. mean it's good give me and, all petroleum rubber products yeah. <laughs> u.s well, old army <laughs> issue yeah well my thing if it's tried and true great but i just don't I don't know. And there's a there's also a thing that, not that bunny boots are some kind of new technology. I mean, they've been around for a long time. Yeah. 
but I'm all for using technology and fabric or whatever to make it better, but I can't imagine, uh, you know, some pack boot they make is still going to surpass a bunny boot. I just, I don't see no, it. No, I just, yeah. For for what we're using them for, no. I, I don't, I don't see it either. So, yeah. It's like in any it application. You're not going to wear a, you know, you're not going to wear your Scarpa to run some, you know. I'm not going to be running anything. Yeah, <laughs> but you know any, what I'm saying? Running there's, anywhere. There's obviously a purpose for yeah. whatever you're using it for, but, you know, to me, a winter, an Arctic winter boot. It's pretty hard to beat the bunny, is, which is yeah. kind of an oddity because most of that, like, GI Army surplus gear is just garbage. You yeah. Know? It's, like, there's that's one of a few things that, and you can get them for about 100 bucks and... It's just I ha- I have yet to see the winter boot that beats it for yeah I haven't here. either I haven't either you know whether it's whether it's trapping or ice fishing you know they're they're heavy and clunky so they're not like it's not like something you'd really want to go climbing around in the mountains with if you can avoid it but uh, I don't know there's a <laughs> yeah I don't know either I that's what I'm going to use and continue to use so until something's better out there but. So far, I haven't seen it. Yep. Um, man, what the heck? I don't know why I can't get off bunny boots. I've probably even, like, beat this to death on <laughs> on the podcast before. I guess I'm just, like, well, it's short, that time. It's short that time. circuiting and misfiring. And it's that time of year, so. Been cranking on just turning rent. Oh, not really. I'd be... I'd be inflating things if I, if I working on the hot rod. If I if I said I was turning wrenches on snow machines too much because I haven't really been doing that much. But uh, yeah, I got the what on that little the kid sled. I repl- the choke the someone I don't know who yanked on the choke the choke lever too hard and busted the cable like last year at some point solved the damn thing and it doesn't light it takes a while especially when it's cold it takes a while to get going where you can run it without the choke on i mean a lot of sleds you can just start them on on full choke let it run for a second pop the choke off and you're you're going yeah and it's running this thing will die but uh, so i've had to like manual flip the cowling and manual and it's got one of those like the kill switch or a little lanyard or whatever goes oh like the tether the, goes the tether goes over the cowling and i just have it like wired to the key i don't tether it to, any, to my kid or anything but so if i want to open the cowling i gotta unpop that so i'll like pop the cowling pop that thing on there and try to like run it enough with man like manually flip the choke lever it's just like freaking super redneck but uh i find that i did just get a new choke and choke cable and handle in for it put that in so now we're cooking with gas but got the uh said by like i showed you bought the bought that one sled for the wife the old the cheetah yeah yep no that'll be good that's she's a giving me a hard time she's like i think you like that sled more than yours i'm like well it's been so long since i've ridden a two-stroke it's kind of fun you might be careful she may be riding yours and you'll be riding the the cheetah yeah, until it's time to start going uphill. <laughs> I'd be remembering why I bought that 600. All oh, those are the days when I I, uh, I started trapping with uh, a old school Tundra, the one long, and which way, like, what size is that motor? Actually? 250. Is it 250. Yeah. 
and it worked okay, you know, dragging my traps, but I'd always have to, I'd have to unhook my sled, sled to go up hills to and go stuff. down. Well, I'd leave my sled at the top and just take some Martin gear, like in a box down, like at the very, I ran this ridge line and there was one big like drop and it's kind of at the end of my line and I'd just run down there to check, but I'd have to like get off and like run alongside <laughs> a couple certain spots. And I wasn't even quite as, quite as filled out as I am now. <laughs> But then I I used uh, I got hammy downed an old scan one of the old Scandic like three eighties or whatever they were, mm-hmm. and that was a little better. But I still I still didn't have that much juice, and the thing fouled plugs in one of the cylinders just horrendously. Um, that's that's, in a, that's in a graveyard somewhere right now. That's one thing we're pretty spoiled with. I mean, I grew up trapping with my dad his trapping partner you know me my brother and him and the you know we ran elands me and my brother had elands yeah even mike the guy my trap dad trapped with he had an eland Mm -hmm. a little bit newer one yeah then me and my brothers ours were like 71 72 74 models somewhere in there and you know my dad was the only one that had a newer sled he had like a he had a Polaris wide track. Yeah. Like a 90s, you know, early 90s or something like that at the time. And we spent more time running beside our machines than we ever did riding them. <laughs> you well, know, and people, that's what, that's the norm. That's oh, yeah. what most people used. Elands, Tundras, you know, Citations. There was the people with the, you know, the wide tracks or, uh, you know, a Scandic maybe or something yeah. like that. Or the Nordic. Do you remember the Nordics? I don't remember the Nordics. No. <clears throat> yeah, the, Skidoo made a Nordic that was, uh, I think they made it through about 94 maybe. And they made two different, I think they made a Nordic 50 and a Nordic 60. And I can't remember what the differences were Man. between them. But well, I remember my, and it was actually that same trap line. Um, my uncle Jerry had trapped it like 30, 35 years earlier. And sent me in there, and I kind of recut. I actually found some of his old poles, Martin poles, and stuff like that that were still there. But uh, he said they'd, you know, they'd trap it on old Elands, Elands, and they'd, yeah, you'd get a big snow. You'd have to snowshoe up your trail, pack down your trail, and come back and run your machine up to get the trail packed down. What just a freaking pain in the ass. Yeah. Well, but it's like we were saying, fur paid back then. Yeah. Nowadays, there ain't no way in hell anybody'd be doing that. Yeah. I mean. Nowadays, you can't even. You know, you most it. people, if they don't have a newest Scandic or newest Tundra, they're not gonna. They're not going. Yeah. You know, it's like I don't know. We've become kind of spoiled a little bit. But what's a new machine cost? Ten thousand bucks at a minimum. So I, mean, I think you know. I think some of the, like because see, I bought my Tundra. It's a. It's when I yeah finally upgraded. It was it's the six hundred four stroke Ace. Um, I think that was like ninety three hundred bucks or whatever ten years ago when I bought it. And uh, I've ta- I mean I've like replaced the bottom tubs and stuff like that, but taking pretty good care of it. Um, and it's still there's nothing wrong with it. But I think I think the Tundras are still in that nine to ten thousand dollar range for, for the four strokes. For yeah. the four strokes. Um, but I mean you're talking about there was a big jump because it was just a few years before that they quit making the old tundras were like 25 or 3000 bucks mm-hmm. brand new, you know, 
and you're probably going to, for one that's low mi- low mileage and good shape, you're going to pay that much for it right now. Yeah, they're they're vest, they're definitely or the, bra- value. Or the good bravos, like, good bravos. Yeah. Yep. Even though they're not, they're not very powerful machines, you know, they're just well, they're lightweight, they're yep. easy to work on, they're simple. Yep. Um, and reliable, and they just have they have a good reputation. Yeah. They last a long time. Yep. And that's why I hate to get rid of that little citation I have. You know, yeah. it's same engine as a Thunder. It's just yeah. a short track. You know, but. But the problem is, is I just don't see myself using it anymore. And, I mean, they are good machines. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, when I was plowing snow the other day, I had to move all them sleds out of the way. And, A little nostalgic. I'll tell you what, though, that thing fired right up. First yeah. pull. Couple squirts of the primer. Yep. First pull, that thing fired up. Yep. No, I, <clears throat> I love that. They, uh, yeah, some of those old machines are just. Freaking flat, reliable, and yeah, freaking Temple. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know how much Temple actually listens when he's not on. Maybe I don't know. If but that, uh, I don't know either. Kiss my ass, Temple. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't real. If I would have realized, I thought. See, we talked about this earlier, but I thought you had sold that sled because you were selling that and like a parts sled. With yeah, there's too. a parts sled, and I got some engine parts and a couple cowlings, and I mean, there's not a ton of stuff there, but. There's enough that, yeah, you know, especially you, if a kid's riding it and they crack a tree, you got two spirit cowlings. Yeah, and, and that's you know, a definite issue, you know, that's... Ski or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's some parts there that you can use, and then I had engine components, and, you know, I had rebuilt that engine. I mean, yeah. that engine's probably only got three or 400 miles on it. Yeah. And it's everything. I did crank bearings, piston rings, you know, cylinder. So. Yeah. But, uh... Because I remember you talking about or talking about putting it up for sale last. I don't know if it was the spring or in the middle of the winter or what last year. Yeah, I don't. I think I had it up. I put it up in the fall. I think if I remember I just, right. I just uh, assumed you'd sold it because that's. I mean, it was a pretty good deal for for a sled like that. Typically, like the old tundras and stuff like. You know, that's, it's basically like you said, basically an old tundra. It is a tundra, a, just short track is all and. Uh, <laughs> You know, those things don't don't stick around. Anyway, because I was kind of looking this fall or this early winter after I decided to not buy that Suzuki. I just, that four-wheeler. And I was wondering what happened to that thing. Yeah, I, that? Gave, I gave it back. I had decided to buy it, and then I decided, you know what, just because it's nice and sitting in my driveway, I don't need to dump that much money into it. I mean, it would have been a good deal. You know, I probably could have bought it and then turned around and made a couple thousand bucks on it but that's not (laughs) yeah not not maybe the right thing to do so um no i gave so i gave it back to him and it was a little liberating once i did i mean i was like i got if i need an extra four-wheeler kind of got access to more and i have one that works fine so um just because it's nice and sitting in your driveway, you don't <laughs> you don't have to get locked into having to shell out that much money for it. So I was, we were my wife and I were talking and looking at, you know, decided to look for just a, a cheap, older, like good sled for her to ride, and we could take the kids ice fishing and all that stuff, and found that. Uh, no, that that, that cheetah, cheetah. The things in, it looks really clean to me. That mm. thing is, I mean. Yeah, it's, it might be older, but it's that thing is looks pretty dang good. Yeah, I mean, well, like I said, the the guy it was listed as an eighty five and listed for a long time, and uh, 
I looked at well, I looked at the listing and I was like, yeah, freaking screw that. I'm not getting 85. Won't be able to find parts. And I mean, that's a main main thing. A lot of real old sleds. You can get some good sleds, but parts. And then, uh, you know, but went back and I ended up, you know, asking what shape the cowling's in because only had 2,100 miles on it, and everything's in good shape. I mean, I'm pretty sure now, like after getting a good look at it and i, I like I, i'm sure it's a 94 not 85 you know looking at part schematics and stuff like that mm-hmm. but uh yeah freaking i mean it's it's a bigger motor than it's like a, one of those old tundra type of machines you know yeah. it's not the same thing it's a little bit bigger motor and a wider stance and stuff like that. But it's still simple. It's like a, it's very s- simple, yeah. Sing- single carb, you're easy yep. you can get to everything, you know, it's Yep. I and you know. can get and you can get quite a few parts for it still. Like I mean I just replaced replaced one of the, the plug uh plug caps. It was just the plastic had been cracked on it, so I replaced that and um had BR eight plugs in it and it's like all the schematics showed BR nines. Um, for that motor so i put br9s in it and it uh, it did seem to improve like it does seem to sound even better um but yeah great freaking sled fun you get a little actually get out you know coming up the hill here when it you know before the plowed all the snow i'd run it down there and i'd been it was running it was dogging pretty good on me when i initially got it but i think it's just was moisture in the carb so i bought it anyway and and just ran some heat and a bunch of gas through it, and I'd thaw it out, and it'd run great. Let it sit outside for a little bit, and it'd start dogging, so I'd bring it back inside, thaw it out, and then take it out and just run it as hard as I could to flush all that stuff out. And um seems to be doing great now, but it's, you know, <laughs> you know you'll get a full brap, you know, brapping it, and you'll look down, and you're only going like 25. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, no. uh, well, you're used to riding the four stroke. Oh, I mean, the four, it's, and it's funny. It's, it, yeah. Get, it's in some ways different. you get spoiled, but it's fun to ride like the, get the old two stroke exhaust. And it's just a little bit different feel to have that two stroke. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. And that makes me think like what, I mean, stuff I would, in looking at used sleds and stuff like that, if a guy, if someone's looking to get a good deal on a used sled, A, I look at Blue Book because you'll mm-hmm. see, you know, especially now, this time of year, people are looking for sleds and looking to get rid of sleds. And uh, so many people in this, and there is a certain like Alaska demand that's maybe a little bit more than market value for some things, I would say, you know, like wide tracks. But I would, if you were looking, if you're in the market to buy one, I would definitely look at the blue book value if it's a new enough year model to like show on there to give you a starting point yeah yep um well and you're right with uh it depends what you're looking for obviously mm-hmm. but you know we're into more utility type yeah sleds and those hold their value yeah nowadays i mean you look at you look at the old stuff we're talking about yeah. and how much it sells for yeah there's a reason for that i mean i know when i used to mountain ride and race and do all that stuff and i mean you look at a mountain sled nowadays these guys are paying ridiculous amounts of money you know granted they're not having to do a lot to these machines they're already made from the factory the way that you know back when i rode we had to do all the modifying and i mean we did all kinds of nutty crazy stuff to these machines to make them the way we wanted now you can just buy them 
Yeah. But it all comes with a cost. Even back then it did, you know. Mm-hmm. But you turn around and sell them, they're not worth nothing. Yeah. You know, they're not worth that much money. No, like you can buy, like you, you even look at listings, you see, you know, a lot of like, and I don't know anything about mountain sleds really, but a lot of stuff that you would think, you know, looks like a good mountain sled for used for like five grand or whatever when, you know, you got to be paying 15 for yeah, a I new think one. In, in that 15 yeah. range for a, a new like yep. top end mountain sled. But I mean, like I was saying, you know, I we mean, would. I have no desire to get that crazy. No, I, I'll i tell you what, yesterday when I went for a ride, I got mine out. I mean, I had had the sled out, but I hadn't really took it anywhere because we had no snow or very little snow. Yeah. But we got that snow yesterday. Your 550 or do you got yeah. a mountain sled? No, my five, oh, okay. no, my 550. But um, it made me remember my mountain sled yeah. days because it was just, the powder was phenomenal. I was yeah. like. I told I got home and I told the wife I said, "Man, I wish I had a mountain sled today. This would have been a lot of fun, oh, you know. Man. I mean, it was still fun, but yeah, I'm just I'm over and over all that stuff. I guess it, it's it was a blast while it lasted, but it's also a big money pit. And well, a lot of them guys are just breaking stuff constantly. Well, yeah, and, and really, a lot of these machines aren't made. I always rolled, I rode Polaris back in the day and, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff that I rode through the nineties and early two thousands, you know, was pretty bulletproof for the most part. Some of this stuff they got now, I mean, I hear, I still got friends that ride that stuff. Yeah. I mean, some of these machines, they're not getting 1500 miles out of them and they're having to rebuild engines and stuff. I'm going, Jeez. that's pretty bad if they can't build an engine that's, and, and I'm talking Polaris and nothing wrong with Polaris. I just. Yeah. That's what I was used to riding when I rode mountain stuff. You know, I was kind of a player snob, I guess. But it, when it comes to the utility world, I don't think they build that good of a sled. I'm, I'm going to ride a Skidoo because they yeah. just make better utility sleds, in my opinion. Yeah, so, well, the old, I mean, what are, are they even doing anything for utility sled now? I think the closest thing they have, I think they still have a wide track, and I think they have a Voyager. Oh, gotcha. And, you know, I think those are both good sleds. Um, Nick's buddy there, uh, what's his name? Moved up here. Jake. Jake. He's got a Voyager, I think, and it seems like a great sled. Huh. But you're also talking, you know, it's not necessarily, and I think that's a 600 probably. Yeah. You know, 600 twin. You, but you're also not talking mountain sleds, you know, 800 mountain sleds and stuff yeah. like that. And I still think for mountain sleds, Players has the best chassis. Yeah. You know, just from people I talk to and know that are still into the mountain riding, you know, I'm not really into that anymore. Some of that, yeah. Like I was just in there the other day getting a, getting a four wheeler battery and, uh, some of them new RMKs, man, they look, oh, they're sick. They looking. look nasty. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I like know two, if I had one, I would be hooked again. What they, I mean, this looks like they got 175 inch tracks and yeah. two and a half inch paddles. And yeah. Some of them are running three inch paddles even. Jeez. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah I, I, mean, I remember whenever the first sled, there was a local shop here in town, and me and my brother, you know, I went down and I ordered two 156-inch, two-inch two paddle tracks. Yeah. One for me and one for my brother, and we were putting them on, and I think he put, I'm trying to remember, I had a Polaris Ultra, I believe is what I put it on, and he put his on his XLT. 
at the time. And I mean, we would go to the mountains and you could, I mean, nobody ran two inch paddle tracks back yeah. then for one, let alone 156 inch tracks. Yeah. We would just annihilate like that thing. They would go anywhere you wanted. And this is back, I would say, what I call the transition time for mountain sleds. Yeah. And it just blew up from there. You know, we started doing all kinds of stuff, cutting chain cases in half, welding them, extending them, making them longer, doing all this weird stuff. I mean, back then, that's what you needed to do to, to make... A sled that would perform. Perform. Now you can pretty much just buy one. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why nobody modifies hard. I mean, there's guys modifying. The modifying now is throw nitrous, boondockers nitrous kit or something on your sled. Hmm. You know, back then they didn't even make nitrous specifically for snow machines. I mean, it was it was modified nitrous systems for cars and. Jeez, man! You know, if I gotta go somewhere <laughs> where I need nitrous, I'm yeah. going in the wrong yeah. in the wrong well, or place. Even, <laughs> or even turbos, you know, that's a yeah. that's a mainstay now. Yeah. All the turbos, well, I mean, like a Skidoo lot of those makes even, a factory isn't even turbo. isn't even some of those like. Can't you get? Nah, maybe it's not the Scandix or something because they have like a. I don't even know that it's E Tech. Is it the? They make an expedition. They make an, an expedition, expedition with turbo, a turbo. Yeah. 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 Because I was in there too, looking to get oil for my sled. To Don't even give me, it dude. I'd love to have one of those. I really would. Yeah. But the guy I work with bought one last year, and that thing—it's pretty sweet sled. Yeah. I just have a hard time biting that kind of price tag off. Yeah. Oh, you know, for, for what I'm doing yeah, now, you know, I don't—I don't necessarily need all that performance and all that stuff. I mean, my 550 fan has did everything I've ever asked asked it to yep. do. No, oh, same thing with this, because we basically have the exact same sled, except yep. yours is a 550 two-stroke fan-cooled, mine's a 600 four-stroke yep. liquid-cooled, which the one thing I do like about that, well, one of a lot of things I do like about that four-stroke, the gas mileage, it's weird because it's quiet, but you get used to it, but... um you know, liquid cooled sleds over the years. And I guess if you're like, you know, to try and tie it back into, if you're looking at used sleds or older sleds, um, the, a lot of the older liquid cooled sleds had overheating issues. Mm -hmm. If you're either running it on like some of the Polaris Indies, even like the trail yep. sleds, if the trails too, too packed. packed Cause yeah. I think they're, they're all, a lot of the old liquid, even like some of the old, uh, did they have liquid cooled summits too? Yeah, they did. Yeah, because I think we were five eighty threes when I we think. were out. Uh, I think it was a summit. We were we rented when we were out muskox hunting, and you know two inch track. But everything's so wind blown that there's snow, but it's so hard. Like we literally took the sled back the same day because it was overheating. overheating. And I'm like, yeah. I'm not gonna blow. I don't want to blow this thing up. Six seventies too were that and way. It, that and that may have been what it was, but. Uh, you, you, the way, uh, especially the older liquid cooled sleds, is I believe all of the cooling runs through tubes in your tunnel, mm -hmm. and so it's depending on you throwing snow up into your tunnel to cool the antifreeze to run it back and cool the motor. Yep. And so if you get super hard packed trails, or not much snow or any snow, it doesn't have it doesn't it won't cool the motor, or if it's too warm, you know, and yep. you don't. If if it's warm and you you're not slinging enough fresh snow up in there, they'd overheat. Um, this 600 Ace 
is that I that's in mine has that it has that. All right, sorry. Before I before I was so rudely interrupted. Sorry, um, I didn't mean to cut you off. I no, had to. We, uh, had time to, for a had refill. refill. We uh, what was to say. You're talking about cooling. You are drinking IP. Flat brims and IPAs. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that that Ace. In addition to the tunnel cooling, it has a rate like it has a radiator with a a fan yep. like a four wheeler does. So which helps out a ton when it's oh no that's, snow. Like I, that. I've literally never had that motor overheat, and you know even some of the fan cooled stuff like. Back before I bought that thing, when I'd go run traps and go out to the cabin with my my uncle Jerry, you know, I'd, I'd usually he had a, you know, he had a five fifty wide track, and I'd ride this um, Polaris like just like a touring like three forty fan, mm-hmm. and I mean there was a couple times where it was warm, you know, if, if it was warm, it was in third over thirty degrees or something like that, the thing would overheat, and you just have to stop and let it cool off and and that's even a fan cooled so but that's one thing i really like about this sled like even when we were even we we're ice fishing late late last year like middle of april i mean it's like 50 degrees and still never had any overheat issues yeah i think they've they've definitely improved on all that stuff from them older sleds like mm-hmm. you're talking you know but um i mean i would say like looking at if i was you know, like when I was buy- looking at this sled, I would if I was buying an older sled, I would definitely go with a fan cooled. I'd be a little. I've seen a couple like pretty cherry looking indies and stuff like that pop up that you know, and I think Temple actually brought it up too that like sometimes like a lot of those old liquid cooled motors were not the most dependable. Um, yeah, I think it de- it depended on models, but I you know and. I don't know. A lot of people rode those sleds, but yeah. And I think too, it depends what you're going to use it for. Yeah. I mean, if you the once in a while, you're probably going to be able to get away with it. But if you're using it a lot, yeah. for I think your mic's rubbing on your Gort, your fancy Gore-Tex there. Might be. How's that better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's better. <laughs> I don't um, know. This isn't Sitka, though. No, it's not. <laughs> but. uh yeah, no, so, and, I mean, a lot of those, yeah, just assume, I like those simple old fan cool yeah, motors, yeah. like that one's a 340 that I got, and, uh, obviously, like, low miles is a good thing, checking, like, the bogey in the track, like, checking to make sure, like, the bogeys aren't loose or Well, you know, they used to build around. stuff back then. It was nice, It, it yeah. was definitely built, I don't want to say better than now, but a lot of that stuff, it held up. Yeah. You know, I mean... I don't know. You can't deny a lot of... I mean, there's certain models that probably weren't as good as others, mm-hmm. but a lot of these fan-cooled engines, they're all, they all work really well. Yeah. You know, yep. like I, my 550, the the only complaint I really have about it is fuel mileage. Yeah. That's it. That's a, Yeah. That 550 is... It burns re- a ton of fuel. Yep. Super reliable motor, but does burn a lot of gas. Yep. But. Next Next machine I buy, it probably will be a four-stroke. I'd I'd really like to buy one. I just I can't bite it off right now to buy one. And if I did, I would probably buy an expedition. I think. Yeah. Somewhere I, I I would I would probably narrow it down well, to how, that. And how about like the whole uh 
movement from like the old style, like all the old style sleds to the new like rider forward chassis. Like I freaking like them. They're so I, much. More I do too. I will say that they are way more comfortable. They're way better handling, even on a Tundra like ours. Yeah. Who would have ever imagined you said you had a Tundra that it would ride like ours do? Oh, it's crazy, yeah. But at the sacrifice of working on them, too, Yeah, they are much more complex than the yeah. old Tundras, you know. And But they're a sled like like the Tundras. You got to be on top of them. You got to ride them. You yeah. know, you can't. You can't just sit and yeah. They are a little tipsy the throttle, you know. But yeah. that's I mean, it's kind of part of what you want in a sled like that. Like for Martin Trap, and I love you can just weave them through yep. the timber. They're they're only they're not any wider than the old tundras. Yeah, yeah. You can just putz along and just weave through the trees and and you know those the advantage to those too is the flotation they have. That whole yeah. front, the way that front end is is designed. Yeah. It's got a lot of good flotation there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, you know? got the pogo like just straight line suspension. Yep. You don't have like these big holes with the the yep you know tie rod ends and all that shit. You know yep um, to hang up on stuff and and yeah, you got basically a flat tub under the front of the machine. Which mm. the new ones are doing. They're way heavier than the old machines too, but they are they can do a lot more. I mean, compared to the old trenders i mean i think i think these ones like come stock with inch inch and a half paddles yep. tracks you know they're yep. not they don't leave quite as nice of a trail like for making wolf sets and no. running over them but you can still do it yeah i mean shoot even frank was doing it with his his uh extreme thunder extreme that's a yeah. 600 e-tech and which i don't think they're making the extreme anymore or this year yeah i don't I, I haven't saw, actually seen the new lineup of when stuff, I was so in when sure. I was in there looking for. Of course, they're all out of oil change kits, so and didn't even have like all the parts to put one together. So, but I was looking at the little twenty twenty one pamphlet for the dream the dream line the dream pamphlet for <laughs> this year's skidoos more sleds that I'm not going to buy. But uh, yeah, and all that Tundra that six hundred E Tech was. Everyone I know that has one really likes yeah, it. Yeah, and they are... Well, and the thing is, you got, got a little bit of every... The best of both worlds with that thing, a yeah. little bit. I mean, it still gets good mileage. Good, Yeah, good mileage. You still have it a two-stroke. And it doesn't suck the oil. And yeah. it has way more power than the 600. It has like... Was it 120 horsepower, I think? That, yeah, I'm not sure, though. That e- horsepower the 600 ratings. E-Tech. But, yeah. So, I anyway, know. I don't know. Is there anything like, and I guess as far as not buying a lemon, you know, a lot of times you're going to have older machines are going to have bum seats. Yeah. But, um, there's a lot, I will say there's a lot of good machines out there. If you really look, yeah, you know, there's machines that just like the one you just bought. I mean, really, what would you say? 2,100 miles in that thing? Yeah. For 800 bucks. That's not a lot of miles. I see machines that are way newer that have way more miles on them. Yeah. You know, and obviously, yeah, it boils down to price too, but I wouldn't be afraid of buying an older sled. My, my no. trapping partner, he, he's more along the lines of just having the older sleds because he can work on them. Yeah. You know, he's got a newer machine, but. I mean, and I don't people, know. It's you just, know, it's a, like, it's hard. They're hard to work and on. And the biggest thing, because you know, the way the freaking EPA and all that stuff's been going, it's really well. That's what's driven all this. You know, stuff. like, could you imagine, like, how 
the sleds they could run, if they could just make a good two-stroke mm-hmm. motor, you know, without as without as restrictive EPA bullshit, you know. Yep. They, well, and I think that's that's what Skidoo's got going for them with the the uh, E-Tech, the E-Techs, and even that new like what is the the HO turbo? Uh, yeah, turbo. I, I know what you're talking. Yeah, yeah the, the high, they're yeah. What is that called? Anyway. That's where I think Polaris has fell behind in that overall scheme yeah. of things. But e- even in their mountain sleds, yeah. they've had to meet certain EPA standards. Yep. And they're... they're and it's affected boat, like, I mean, we've seen it affect, like, come to affect boat outboards, oh, inboard, like boat like motors, that. Yeah. all that stuff is, you know, it wasn't that long ago. I don't know if it was during the Obamas that they, during that administration, that they start punching all that sh- all shit through, but I remember, I specifically remember hearing like it was like with Sport Johns or whatever. Oh yeah, that one seventy five. Like all these, and they're saying like, oh, the five fifty fans are going away, and all yep. this. Like they're going to have to quit making two strokes. Everyone's like, yeah, right. You know, yep. They freaking have. They're they're whittling away at it. Throttle yeah. it down. Yeah. You know, there's almost yeah not that many two stroke sleds in existence anymore. You can't hardly buy a two stroke outboard anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I would assume, I know they've been making the E-Tech outboards too. It's obviously different than a snow. It's not the same motor as a snow machine, but. Same technology though. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. There's just, they just ruin it. You know, they yep. freaking ruin everything. You can't just yep. fire your sled up on cho- full choke and just watch the smoke pour yep. out of it. Just wait till Biden gets elected here. No. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um. But yeah, no, and just you know, look for something with a good cow. Look good cowling, and more important than the cow, because you can a lot of times get spare cowlings or whatever put on. But the tubs, some of those yeah. old tubs can be like yeah, not be, something you want to replace. No, and it's going to be hard to find something that you can replace it with anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, I did. I did tub jobs I've back busted, in the day, and I've all busted that. Busted Busted up some tubs before. Yeah. Get the Franken stitch with the stainless yep. steel wire going, and and honestly, most of the time with the them old machines, that's your best bet anyway. Yeah, really. I mean, unless you want to dump a pile of money into it. Yeah, you know that's that was always the thing with like that little citation of mine. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, how much money do you really want to put into something like that? It's worth X amount, but. To, I mean, just a windshield. Look how many expensive windshields are. Oh yeah, probably 150 bucks or more you know, for one for one that'll fit that. I yeah, was looking because this one's got it is cracked and has some some stitches in it. But uh, I found when you could get windshields, but probably be over 150 bucks to get it here. Yeah, and it's like we're talking about I bought the sled for 800 bucks. You know how much? Do you, yeah, how much do you want to put into just a windshield? Yeah, that may get broke again. Yeah, very. Yeah could be the next trip out yeah so yeah i gotta kind of restrain because it's nice it's fun when you get new stuff like that to think oh, i could do this and that to it easy enough well for before you know it you've racked up like 50 percent of what you paid for yep. it and, well and, i've got a have you ever seen that old mercury that i've got i don't think i have i think it's a 19 if i remember right it's a 1969 mercury and just it's, throw that in the it's back when <laughs> it actually has a Mercury outboard engine in it. Oh. Before Kohler started making engines for Mercury. Okay. Or in their snow machines. 
my you know my plan was is to restore it and you know tired iron sled type thing you know yep. and i probably will never do it so that's for sale if anybody wants to buy it <laughs> <laughs> if anybody wants a project um but no it'd be kind of cool i mean i i i think the history of a lot of that is pretty cool but you know it's not something that i'm into working on right now at this point so yeah it's it's just tough to pick your battles like with you know all these there's just i don't know there's only so much time there's only so much money there's only you know i struggle with it all the time and i'm sure you do too with things i mean my thing i mean look at me i got re i got recurves and a muzzle loader and all sort of rifles and like that's a project gun sort of and just all sort of shit now get ice fishing stuff i mean i I just i like doing too many things that's that's me too and i i definitely have that problem and i don't i don't know what the the remedy is for it i I guess it's better than just like like i can't even imagine being bored i you know well uh, i talk to guys at work about retirement i'm like if i could retire right now i would have zero problem staying busy yeah you some probably of, would be busier than you are prob- now. Probably <laughs> would. But some of these guys are like, they don't have a life outside of work. And they're, they, that's why they just keep working. And it blows my mind. Yeah. But, it, I, I mean, whatever. They each their own well, when it's it comes like, to that, I mean, but. and I guess if, like, if your job is, like, what you find fulfilling in life, and that's, like, your passion, what you, like, get up. Yeah, that's true. Like, which I, I can't complain. I mean, what I've been do call do called doing to make a living is pretty nice yeah. but it, it incorporates a lot of stuff i like to like do. to do or what like want to do anyway so i mean very lucky in that but it's like back in the insulating days or if i ever go back to doing that it's i don't mind it it's not it's it's a it's an honest honest day's work but geez i i spend the day thinking about the stuff i would be rather rather well, be that's, doing that's how i am i I I'm just always constantly thinking about either you're like red wire green ah, just, yeah <laughs> well and honestly as time goes on the worse that part of it gets it's mm-hmm. unfortunate you know or it sounds bad maybe but yeah you know you kind of just get burnt out on the stuff after a while and it's I don't know I have a hard time like right now my two main passions are probably hunting bow hunting and photography and trying to make those two things work. Because it's not something that I can, I was just talking to my buddy about that today, you know, I want to, there's some photography goals that I have in mind, but they're, they take place during hunting season. And I'm like. It's a big problem. (laughs) I know, it is. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm like, I always wrestle with that, you know, and it's, it is what it is. And I mean, like right now, I just fit it in when I can. That's kind of what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, but as things get progressed down the line, I'm like, man, it'd be great to do this or do that. And it's like, well, that's during this part of hunting season. And, it's you know, tough. I'm, I'm going to have to, like, make a choice of either one year not doing one thing or the other. You know, that's just how it's going to be. I mean, it's pretty much that cut and dry, though, at least the way I look at it. Yeah, it's, that's tough, man. I mean, it, well, it's for me, this 
there's a lot of, st- I mean, I guess if I really wanted to prioritize it and cause that's what it'd take and to save up if I went to truck, travel to hunt, you know, do stuff, you know, like there's the guy that makes my bows, Neil, he, Neil Jacobson, he, uh, he's always been like, ah, oh, you want to come down eight? Cause he's a pretty good elk, pretty good elk elk caller he's like i know a guy that's half good at calling elk you know if you ever want to come hunting and i would love to do it someday but i'm like man i love being how can i like leave here in august or or be september but and especially now that you know we got a little bit of a moose spot you know assuming everything i mean it seems like a pretty good pretty good setup we're getting Mm -hmm. slowly getting it dialed in it's like man i don't want to miss moose season that's freaking fun, you know. Even if even if going and hunting elk or hunting mule deer or whatever else, I mean, they'd be fun too. But it's like, ah, am I really willing to give up? Give that yeah. up, or am I willing to go, you know, antelope hunt? Give up sheep, you know, not hunting sheep to go antelope hunting. There's always a trade off. Oh, you you know? can afford to give up a year of sheep season. You've got how many of them on the wall? <laughs> Uh, still though it's it's tough for me i'd like no i know what you mean though it's because that's your passion that's what you want that's what you love to do so you're uh i 100 percent see where you're coming from no it's 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 tough sometimes balancing and we're i mean we're thoroughly spoiled like in all the stuff we can do you know but but it you know it takes it, it takes a lot of work and and planning but that we are we are spoiled with the amounts of opportunity we have i mean even just stuff like even just banging around on sleds man i mean most you know unless you're in a very specific like that's your thing like it's some spots down in the lower 48 i'm sure like there's mountain riders and stuff like that yeah. and, and a lot in canada and whatnot but uh it's definitely, I mean, like every, every not outside of town, every back road or whatever has a snow machine trail running beside it. And it's just like part of life up here, which is kind of nice if you are up here and you're looking for like talking about buying sleds. I mean, I can only imagine other places. It's a lot more, your selection is going to be a lot more limited. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like you do though. It's hard to pick and choose and yeah. Like, I'm just, you know, trapping, but like you said, if you decide you don't, you're, you know, it's not going to be worth trapping or you're just going to have too much stuff going on to trap one year out, well, you can get into ice fishing a little bit or there's a lot, just no shortage of, of stuff to spend time and money on. No, there's not. And, but I think a lot of it too is there's always a progression of things that you, I don't know, evolving into sounds weird, but. I do think by having those experiences and doing all these different things, it will kind of, I don't know. It's good. Lead you in a certain, yeah, yeah. broadens your horizons, leads you in a certain direction maybe or whatever. I don't know. That's where I am. Like my photography, I mean, I'm older than you. Not that I've done every hunting and everything that I've wanted to do, but I'm also getting to that point where I'm like, you know, when I do get older, what am I going to do? Yeah. I'm not going to be able to go sheep hunting all the time, probably. Will I still go? Probably, if I can. You know, if I'm physically able to do it, I would like Mm -hmm. to. But I'm kind of like setting myself up for that future, 
if you will. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I really have a lot of fun doing the photography thing. It's a lot like hunting. Yeah. And that's something, too, that I was talking to a guy here in town about, you know, we were talking about photography and the guys that are really willing to put out effort mm-hmm. to photograph versus guys that are kind of the... Oh, like yeah, kind of like we were talking like that swan picture you took, you know, guys that really work. Yeah. Yeah, and granted, that swan picture, it's at a local place here in town. I mean, whatever. But I got up at 4 a.m. to go do it, whereas mm-hmm. most people weren't there until 8, 9 o'clock in the morning. Yep. I was leaving by then. But, you know, and there's other great, there's guys out there that put in a lot of effort, a lot of effort, you know. And to me, that's that's part I, I want to give credit to those people because those are the people that are actually, to me, more real. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but. No, they, they're, well, it makes sense to me. They're, they're willing the, to put out more effort to get those images versus, and it's no different well, and than hunting. And they're probably the people that, that appreciate the process and the hard work mm-hmm. that goes into getting those images as opposed to the people that just like, oh, I learned what F-stop to use and. Just like learn a couple of useful things and want to be a photographer, you know. Yeah, I mean? and and there's nothing. I mean, to me, everybody has to start somewhere. Everybody has to learn. Everybody has to go through their progression of learning. But to me, I don't know how I can word this the best way. Some people are in it for the quick fix, I guess. Yeah, that's the best way I can. Oh, it makes total sense, yeah. And and there's nothing wrong with photographing out your truck window or even hunting from the road. Yeah. Because, you know, like me, I do both. Mm -hmm. I'm going where the opportunity is, and that's all you can really do is go where the opportunity is. But my thought is, is you need to be true and honest with that, you know, whatever is given to you. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I just feel like there's some stuff out there that's not. Oh, yeah. There's a lot know. of stuff out there that's not, whether yeah. it's, yeah, whether it's photography or or hunting or, ah, that's a deep rabbit hole. Yeah, no, it, it is. And it re- I, didn't, I didn't mean to go down that no, rabbit that's, hole. No, that's, and that's, yeah, that's fine. I um, I just think that that's a, that's a, a thing that I a lot of people that I think are wanting to get into anything, whether it's hunting, the photography, and I'm just using those things because those yeah. are my two main passions. Um, that people don't realize, you know what I'm saying? They oh, just yeah. see what they see what is put out there on social media, and you know, however they're viewing this stuff, and. I just think that people need to stay, take a step back a little bit and look at the overall picture of what went into a lot of the stuff that, whether it's hunting or photography, what was involved with doing whatever that was. Oh, yeah, totally. I you mean, know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's kind of the difference of like, you know, the, I'll say there's like, as far as like sheep hunting, the, 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 the fads that come along, it's like, well, there's, you know, people that, like the idea of being a sheep hunter yeah. and there's people or mountain hunter and there's people that like, like doing it because they, they like the 
actually doing it. <laughs> yeah, and I think everybody goes through little bits of, uh, I don't know, phases, no. if you yeah, want to call yeah, it yeah. that. Oh, totally. Beca- because, I mean, I feel like I do. Yeah. There, there's sometimes that I'm just like, well, sheep hunting this year for me. I Honestly, I wasn't into it. That's why I didn't go. I was like, I really could care less. Yeah. At, you know, this fall. Well, that's, well, and kind of, I mean, that's one reason I didn't bring a boat, you know, I mean, I'll, I just wasn't, whether I need to like decide that's what I'm going to do like way ahead of time and like get myself psyched up and, and decide, you know, just go for that goal for a year. I just wasn't feeling, I was like, yeah, no, I could care less this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to, but I, I wanted to go sheep, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. And you still were going sense. sheep hunting, yeah. but like, yeah, on the level that I was at, I just didn't even really care to go. It wasn't yeah. that big of a deal. No, me, and but. it's, and it's, but I think like that, you know, the type of person that, that even you can even like switch things you're getting into. I mean, like we have so all these different interests, um, but the people that appreciate the hard work are like always like get involved to the level, a level beyond just like the quick fix type thing. I mean, you know, I mean like the muzzleloader stuff, I had never even touched it and I'm, you could argue that I'm because I'm. I definitely just it was a minimal effort as far as building the thing, but I yeah, did but get that's like not... really interested. You know, it's like I like developing the loads and all that. Stuff. I don't know. Well, but you have to start sense. somewhere. If yeah. you're going to start out, you're not going to start out building some. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah, whatever you want. to I'm call actually it. I'm I resisting mean, getting sucked further way down, down there, way down that hole. It's. <laughs> As I yeah, as I, I show you, I'm like I got all stocked up on real black powder and all this shit. But well, you know. I uh, yeah, no, I think if people yeah, people are just honest with themselves and just like genuinely pursue things that you are interested in because you're interested in them. And yep, I think that's not, all you can really do. Yeah, not to you know, there's just so much fakeness going on in the world that it's you know people do things because the you know because they get attention for it or whatever and do it because you like it not because of what other people are going to think because yeah you know not that this is because the pep talk but (laughs) i'm just saying that i see it a lot it seems to me at least at least from my view my point of view that's what i see and i think a lot of people are people get down about it and i'm like I don't yeah. know. And, well, don't, I, and don't feel like people, you know, whether, you, you know, it's a trend to hunt a certain way or use a certain, like a trad bow or something like that. And, you know, it's like, just do what you want to do. Like what fulfills I, you, you know, if, think, if you're yeah. not, if, if, if you it, like, and I'm all for trying new stuff and putting a solid effort into you know, whether if you, you want to learn a new, whatever it could be. I mean, you could apply it to almost anything. Like, mm-hmm. put the effort in, but, like, don't feel like you need to do something like that because other people expect you to or because you've set the expectation yep. for yourself. I think that makes sense. I just think that's a real important thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I That's the only reason I bring it up, really, yeah. is just that I just think a lot of people don't think that way. Yeah. No, I, I, it's a lot of, a lot of like short term, short term um, gratification. gratification. That's the word I was looking for. Yep. But so 
don't freaking be like that. But I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I better wrap this up. This may be the shortest podcast you and I have ever done together. But uh, I don't know. It no. feels like we've been going on for a while. Yeah, but. we have for a while. But uh, oh, it's only seven forty. Yeah, probably <laughs> better wrap it up. But yeah, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, yeah, always good to catch up with you, Matt. We'll have to get a get. Maybe we can get you over for if we have the the shit your pants story marathon obviously i definitely like, want to hear it because i've already heard one <laughs> you have heard that one did you hear it from the source was yeah it, oh, i did hear it from the source but I'm, it's one i don't the, know where he's at tonight it's one of the it's one of the funniest stories i've ever heard in my entire life so but oh god i'll try to come got, up with did, one but i we did I can't. have we did have a, a listener like send in one that is pretty epic um so it's funny, and it, it doesn't have to involve, like, on a hunting trip, or but, like, that's even all the better. So, yeah, not to be too weird, but if you're sending your best shit-your-pants story, there might be something in it for you. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I guess anything else, we um, – I am, as of – I guess i got to date these things because they're up forever, but um, November – this will probably go up on the 11th uh, – I'm looking at the wrong month of that calendar. I haven't switched it over. Yeah, what is today? Today's the 7th. Today's the 7th, 9th. So about the November 9th-ish, 2020, I am working on, like, working on getting the, you know, shirts and hoodies and T-shirts and also planning yes. on having, we got some, got some koozies, an initial run of, of koozies that, you know, should go up. and This koozie has kept my drink cold. And some stickers and stuff. I mean, I don't know how well they're going to hold up, but they look cool. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate your patience. I'm working with what I can shell out to, to accommodate for it. we get this, get this, get this ball rolling, but yeah. You, you know, I did have a thought. You should have COVID mask made. COVID mask made. Well, with I thought about. chalk right on the front it would be pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh. <laughs> well, they last at least. Yeah, I'm not, uh, <laughs> What I did, I did think, I don't know, it may have lost its steam now as a, a red hat that says, make rain gear great again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, all right, everybody. Well, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast, appreciate it if you leave a, a review on iTunes or whatever podcast uh, platform you listen on. And if you have any comments or questions, you can email podcast at tundertalk, AK.com. Thanks for listening.